0: Uh, for Bible study. We had an amazing uh, turnout last night at prayer, and I'm very thankful for that. Had just a wonderful, wonderful presence of the Lord here last night, and uh, it's great to see all of you back here tonight uh, for Bible study. And uh, I'm excited about the Bible study tonight, and I do hope that it will be a blessing and a benefit to someone. Thank the Lord. Let's jump into it. Last Wednesday night, I talked to you about expectations and relationships, how to build strong relationships. And uh, we're going to continue that tonight. And uh, um, I I do ask that you uh, do your your best to listen and to harvest as much of this material as possible. And of course, if some gets by you or what have you, you can always go back and listen to it on podcast. But I introduced uh, this uh, little series that I want to do between now and the first of the year, last Wednesday night, on how to build strong relationships, and we'll continue it tonight. Uh, We all know in our American culture that just good, solid relationships with people are hard to come by. Uh, made the statement last Wednesday night that very few people have more have, have very few people have more than two or three friends uh, in their life currently. Some people don't have any at all. I can name people that don't have any friends. Uh, <clears throat> I'm talking about. I'm not talking about acquaintances. I'm talking about people you can be social with, you can share your life with, and what have you. Very few people have more than two or three. And uh, if you consider Facebook friends, friends, you have a very low standard of friendships, all I'm saying. So don't say I have 683 friends. No, you don't. <clears throat> so um, uh, is what it is. So let's jump into this material tonight. And I want to talk about the expectations in, in, in relationships. And as I said last Wednesday night, I think across the board where a lot of relationships, if not most relationships, struggle. Actually, I'll give you a percentage of that in a moment. Uh, Where most relationships struggle is because there is a misunderstanding in expectations. We assume the people that we are in relationship with knows what our expectations are, and we also assume that... uh, They know what mine is, yours is, and we know what theirs is. Uh, That's not true. Uh, I'm going to jump into that tonight. So to manage expectations, if you want to build a strong relationship with somebody, uh, I find this especially true in marriage. I find it true in parenting. I find it true in Relationships people have with their pastor or with their church that they attend. There's not clear-cut expectations that are communicated. Things are assumed based off of past experiences or desires. And, uh, but unless expectations are communicated, then the relationship will suffer. So to manage expectations well... It's necessary to begin with recognizing three essential characteristics of expectations. First and foremost, if you're going to have a relationship with somebody and you know that there's going to be expectations involved in it somewhere along the line, expectations must be expressed. It has to be said. Uh, Here's the statistic that I want to give you. Someone has concluded, someone did some research into this, into relationships in America, and they have concluded that 80% of expectations in any relationship on average are never really expressed. 80%. So you have expectations, but no one knows what they are because they're never spoken. So let me ask you here tonight, personally, to everyone in the room and those listening on live stream and Facebook Live, consider for a moment just one of your relationships that you have with somebody. It could be your spouse, your children, your parents, whoever it is. Consider for a moment one of your relationships. How many of your expectations have you actually expressed and discussed With them. You see. Most are assumed. Would y'all agree with that? Most are assumed. I'm amazed at the people that get married. I'm amazed at the people that get married. And talk about marriages. Very few expectations are ever discussed. And then three years from now. When the honeymoon's over. And their relationship is just hanging on by a thread. They can't figure out what happened. They've never had a conversation about expectations. One pastor said one time during a week-long summer conference, a young lady asked one afternoon if she and the pastor could have a talk. She had been married for several years, long enough to accumulate a list of complaints about her husband. I give her credit that it took several years. I know a lot of marriages don't take but about a week. (laughs) After the first night, they wake up the first morning after their marriage. and say, you know what, dude, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Um, but anyway, uh, she had accumulated a list of complaints against her husband, and the pastor asked her <clears throat> had she ever expressed those complaints to her husband, and her very quick reply was, oh, he knows, he knows all right. So in a later conversation with her husband, It became apparent that many of the criticisms that his wife had against him was a total and complete surprise to him. She was sure he knew, but she had never clearly expressed it to him. She never told him. She assumed that he knew. Trying to help some of our husbands and wives here tonight. You need to talk about things periodically, and don't have to be a knockdown drag out. And don't wait to get to that point. You may not agree with another person's expectations, but you do need to understand what they expect and why. Don't guess, don't assume, but you need to know. And when you ask what is this person's expectations, then you need to listen, not interrupt. Not correct, not debate. Keep your dumb mouth shut and listen. Everybody say listen. On the other hand, you give the other person opportunity to express their expectations of you. It's fun when you're asking, but it's not quite as much fun when you're being asked, right? So we need to understand that when we want to sit down with somebody... And talk about these things. But if someone asks what your expectations are, then you need not withhold them. You need not be silent. You need to talk. You need to communicate. You need to express your expectations. So when it comes to expressing expectations, it is most helpful to discuss just one category at a time. So you don't want to walk up to your spouse or your parents or your children or someone at church, what have you, and ask the open-ended question like, well, what are your expectations of me? If you ask me that question, I would ask you in return, where do you want me to start? <laughs> I mean, we can shorten this to five minutes or we can make it three hours. I mean, it's just up to you. But that's a, it's a to me, that's an, an open-ended question. It, it's a non-starter I believe we need to be more specific and identify a single category and focus on that one category alone. Uh, Here are some suggested categories and five major relationships that all of us here tonight can relate to, and it's relevant to all of us here tonight. And remember, you want to work on the ones which are appropriate, you want to work on the things that are priority, and you want to do it one at a time. So, for example... And husband-wife expectations. Um, One thing you may want to discuss is how much time would I like to spend with you as my spouse. These are my expectations. If the other person, your spouse says, well, that's a little too much time or not enough time, then we'll do a little negotiating. I'll come to that a little bit later. But I think it's important to sit down between a husband and wife and discuss home responsibilities. If you have children, you need to discuss parental responsibilities. Who's going to do what when? Don't assume. I think prayer and Bible study needs to be a part of discussion. Uh, Money management. There can be no assumptions there. There should be very clear expectations between husband and wife that are agreed upon when it comes to money, even intimacy. There needs to be some understanding uh, along that line as well. And then if you have children, uh, parenting is a big part. This, this is huge in, in, in this arena that I'm talking about tonight. If you're the kind of husband slash father that believes the mother ought to do everything for the child until the child is potty trained, if you assume that, you have a rude awakening headed for you, buddy. I'm just saying, Um, I remember when our two were babies, Sister Murphy and I had several just sit down. She had several sit down, come to Jesus meetings with me. Say, listen, Buster, this ain't how this works. She didn't call me Buster. She called me the esteemed reverend, but I didn't want to say that. Tell y'all, bet on that one big, and then yes. You... <laughs> um, but then, if you have children that are old enough to be mouthy and to have an opinion and to be sassy, just being real here tonight, then I believe it's okay to sit down as a parent and discuss parent-child expectations. And I think you need to be very clear. And I think you need to listen to your children in response, and let them give their opinion, I doubt if you will agree, and this is where you having a little bit of Henry Kissinger in you, ability to negotiate will be helpful we'll come to that later, but I think you ought to talk about things like allowances and chores they're responsible for around the house, and how much time they can spend watching television, which in my opinion ought to be about zero, but that's up to you and and, and how you run your home, and how much time do you have give them for leisure time and how much time do you want to give them for sports activities and um uh the the video devices the video games and all that kind of stuff uh i believe i believe parents need to teach their children when it comes to church attendance as long as you live in my house you're going that's not an option don't wait till they're 17 to start that you start it when they're a little bitty you start it when they're a little bitty and mom and dad need to be accountable to the house of the Lord as well don't teach them it's okay for you to miss when you want to but not okay for them to miss when they want to you become a hypocrite and they will use that as leverage against you at some point in their life am I too brash I, I it really bothers me some I, I just I'm communicating I'm just don't want you to have questions about what I'm saying I think there needs to be family devotion. I think uh, I think parents need to have a lot of say in the kind of music their kids listen to. As long as your kids live in your house, I was thinking about it today. As a matter of fact, I remember as, as a teenager, I was not dating Sister Murphy at the time. I was just there with her two brothers at their house one time, and it was back in the day when Andre Crouch was first coming on the scene, and we all fell in love with his music and. We were listening, uh, me and her two brothers was listening to Andre Crouch in their bedroom. And I remember Brother Nixon came to the door and said, Turn that rock and roll music down. (laughs) I was thinking about that today and had to laugh. It's almost easy listening music now compared to what's out there. And, uh, but he controlled what kind of music was played in his house. And what he preferred was bluegrass, southern gospel, you know, that kind of thing. And, uh... Uh, but he controlled what his kids did in his house. I believe that kids, when they're old enough to drive, until they're responsible, they should be expectations on use of the car and the telephone and homework. I believe parents ought to have a strong say. As long as your kids live in your house and perhaps under the age of 18, you can decide that. But I think mom and dad ought to pretty much control what they wear and what they don't wear. I didn't get as many amens on that one as I have previously because I think some of you have resigned yourself that you're fighting a losing battle because your kids can out-talk you. Um, My kids have always out-talked me. They can always, Casey can talk 10 times faster than I can talk. (laughs) But when it's all said and done and I listened to all that she had to say back in those days, I would always conclude the conversation by saying, okay, all that's well and good, but you're still going to do what I'm telling you to do. So, parents, just sit down and have these conversations. Don't blow it off and don't go whining to everybody else about it. Go to your kids and have this conversation. And then there's pastor leadership expectations. And as I mentioned to you last Wednesday night, and I want to be very clear, I have huge pastoral expectations. But the vast majority of our leadership folks here at Grace Church are volunteer. I love that, I appreciate that, and I value that. My expectations are not in the arena of being demanding. My expectations are in the arena of being hopeful. I hope that when you serve in a leadership position that you will abide by the expectations and the parameters that are given to go along with that. But I do teach appropriate dress standards, and I would say that in my opinion and from my point of view and estimation that 99% of it, goes very well. I ask our leadership people to pray, and I believe they do that. They're in, they're in attendance at meetings that we call. Um, they do their best with spouse responsibility. They do their best with personal evangelism. Um, our ministry team especially uh, works very hard in continuing education, uh, and most of our leadership people do. Uh, they, they, I give them parameters on social activities, things that I ask them to do and not to do, as a leader here at Grace Church, and they honor that, uh, have amazing integrity issues, they're open to mentoring. All these things are communicated. When I ask someone to step into leadership, these things are communicated. And I ask them, is this okay with you? And they say yes, and they sign a document, and I tell them when they've done signing the document, if this reaches a point where it's not okay anymore, let's have another conversation about it. If we can't work it out, you don't have to leave the church, but just step down from your leadership role for a while until you can get things worked out. We've had that happen on several occasions, and it's worked out good. Uh, And In most of the situations, people are restored back to their leadership place, and we work it out, and they don't leave the church over it. A lot of people, a lot of church people feel like if you want out of a leadership job, you have to leave the church to get out of it. You're going to be guilt-tripped and pressured and what have you. That's not the case here at Grace Church, and there's people here tonight that know that. Uh, I remember several years ago, we had one of our Sunday school teachers was burnt out, and asked Sister Patricia Turner if she would fill in for one quarter to give the teacher a break, and she said she would. When the quarter was up, I made a note on my calendar. I told Sister Pat, I said, thank you. Uh, You're free from that responsibility. You can go back to the adult class, and she said, Pastor, I'd like to teach a little while longer. And she volunteered to do that, and she did, and she did a great job. But I communicated with her my expectation so that she would know, and when the time was fulfilled, I followed through on my expectation. I appreciate follow-up. When I ask somebody something and say, let me know in two weeks, I love it when you come back and you respond to that. And then there's leadership congregation expectations. We have serve team leaders. And there's people in the congregation that's on our leadership team that work under them. I have it in front of me all the time. You don't, but I do, is our production booth in the back. And I watch these folks during the service. I watch how they interact with their serve team people, uh, our serve team leaders, how they interact with our serve team people under them. They do an amazing job. And uh, I'll give an example tonight. Nate Henson is... uh, Over our uh, lighting and pro presenter, pro presenters, the program software we use to put stuff on the screen. Nate is sitting in the congregation tonight. Uh, He has Brother Greg up there running the screens, and he's trained him well, etc. And so this is how these things are managed, and it works out great. I could go on and on with that. Our Sunday school kids ministry does amazing. Our ushering staff does amazing. Because serve team leaders have learned how to handle uh, the people that are on and serve on their serve team. <clears throat> so it's imperative that when you become a leader in a church, and a leader here at Grace Church, as you know, is someone having a title behind their name. But when you come become a leader, it's imperative that you know what is expected out of you. And our serve team leaders do a great job in communicating that. And I appreciate it very, very much. Let's give our leadership team some appreciation tonight. They all do a great job. They all do a great job. So let's keep funneling this down. When you attend Grace Church, what are the specific expectations you have of individual believers at Grace Church? What is your expectations of the person across the aisle? What's the expectations of the person you have of the person sitting behind you? What are their expectations of you? This just don't go one way. It goes both ways. And it's imperative that we understand that. To continue this, and I'm, I'm going to have to speed up just a little bit. But then there's the employer-employee-colleague relationship uh, that we have to understand. And I, I, I regret for people. I regret when people go to work for a company and their supervisor, their boss, their manager, whatever title the person may have, is not a good communicator. And when you walk in the door, it's just kind of assumed that you know what you need to do. Uh, but there needs to be training. There needs to be a conversation. Somebody needs to be, give you parameters, where you're allowed to go, where you're not allowed to go, what you can use, what you can't use, what your job requirements are, et cetera. Somebody needs to communicate that. If they're not, then you need to ask. Don't assume people know. But there's conversations that, that need to be had about time and responsibilities, the workload, the, the social events that the company may have. Uh, if there's money involved in it, uh, company money involved in it. If there's continuing education, training, mentoring, and so on. Is there confidentiality requirements on your job? Is punctuality important? I've had several jobs when I worked secular jobs where punctuality wasn't a big deal. Uh, as long as you got the work done, they didn't, really didn't care what time you got there. Within reason, they didn't really care what time you left as long as you got your work done. Others wanted you there at exactly 7.30 in the morning, whatever time it was, and you didn't leave one minute before five. Um, so it, it, those, those things need to be communicated. How are you are supposed to dress on your job? All these things need to be communicated. You get the point. In his book, Lincoln on Leadership, Donald Phillips quotes part of a letter written by the President to General Hooker relating a conversation they had to get together late in the Civil War. Lincoln said, What I now ask of you is military success. The government will support you to to the utmost of its ability. I shall assist you as far as I can, Lincoln said. And now, beware of rashness. Beware of rashness, but with energy and sleepless vigilance, go forth and give us victories. Phillips, the author of the book, comments on the letter and says, Contemporary leaders can learn an important lesson from this letter. For here in one bold stroke, Lincoln Lincoln told Hooker exactly what he thought of him, both good and bad, and precisely what he expected. He offered support and assistance. He encouraged his general to take the initiative and to do the right thing. Then Lincoln gave Hooker the letter so that he could take it with him and ponder their conversation more thoroughly. Here was Lincoln, the leader, at his best. So the lesson here in all of this that I've just presented is to express exactly what you expect. Express exactly what you expect. Carson Pugh, president of ERA Leadership Ministries, in his book Mentoring Leaders, writes, when we at Arrow desired to have a personal assistant to the president of Arrow, we created a very accurate role description for the position. However, Mr. Jim Postalwaite, who was working with me at the time, asked me for a list of what I was looking for in an assistant beyond the actual tasks that needed to be accomplished. That would be the feelings and the emotion side of the search. After a few days, I provided him a list of what I wanted and an executive assistant. I wanted someone who could anticipate my next move, who would take initiative, who is loyal to me and Arrow Ministries, present well on paper, both writing content and layout, makes a very great first impression, is a problem solver, is confident, is at his or her best when I'm at my worst, has an up attitude, gets along with other team members, and the list goes on and on. But he communicated, his expectations. He wrote them down, this is what I expect. Most churches and businesses have difficulty providing such a list because the leadership have never discussed them or can't agree on them. I've heard enough of this through pastoring, especially in the area for the past 25 years, that we are determined here at Grace Church to do our dead level best to communicate with people what our expectations are when you step into a leadership role. If you agree to those expectations, then we don't micromanage and we're not hovering over your back to make sure you're doing it. I tell people virtually every time we put someone in leadership, I'll trust you as long as you give me a reason not to. And I think that's fair. But we work hard here at Grace Church to communicate expectations and people know what their parameters are. I've learned a long time ago especially with children, but it's applicable with adults. People are much happier when they know their parameters. So we have to understand that expectations must be expressed. Secondly, tonight, expectations must be realistic. There was a cute comic strip a number of years ago called Between Friends. It pictures two young ladies talking together at a restaurant. One says to her friend, every time I see my therapist... I tell him that men don't understand me. And every time I say that, he tells me my expectations are unrealistic. Then yesterday, after years of therapy, it suddenly clicked. And the friend asked, what, that your therapist is right? The lady said, no, that he's a man and he don't understand me either. The fact remains, some expectations are just that. They're unrealistically high. So, what can we do then? In the Pardon My Planet cartoon, an earnest young man is speaking in candlelight to a young lady and says, From the day you marry me, I'll spend the rest of my life making your dreams come true. Till then, I'll work myself to the bone trying to lower your expectations. The objective, of course, is not to lower expectations. It's simply to make them realistic. I want to say here tonight, especially to those of you that has a spouse that does not come to church with you at all or as often as you would like. Your expectation, my expectation, is that they're here every time the doors are open. But it may not start off that way. If y'all could agree on maybe one Sunday a month. If you could agree on then maybe add every other Sunday. And you keep building, building, building. If you just walk in and say, if you want a happy marriage with me, then you have to be at church with me every Sunday morning, every Wednesday night, every Sunday morning, every Wednesday night. That, real, that may be an expectation that's not realistic to them. You're right, but it's not realistic. Y'all understand me? Uh, I've had several opportunities to work with families in tithing. Uh, people have get themselves in a bind financially and they cannot pay a full 10%. And a lot of them assume that I'm the typical pastor that demands that. On more than one occasion, I've encouraged people to just walk in on one Sunday morning a month and grab a tithing envelope and put $1 in it and say, God, this is all I've got. But if you'll bless it and if you'll help me, I'll increase it. Until I get up to the full ten percent, I've been amazed at how often time that's worked. As a matter of fact, it's never not worked. You can't put expectations on people that are unrealistic. Parents have a propensity to do that with their kids, and spouses have a pretent- propens- propensity to do that with each other. Unrealistic expectations that are only unachieved that are un- unachievable only sets you up to fail. She was an excited bride-to-be, eagerly anticipating married life with her fiancé, and in a burst of enthusiasm in the midst of a pre-marriage counseling session, she exclaimed to her fiancé, I can't wait until we're married and we can be together all the time. A red flag went up in his head. Hold it, wait a minute. You mean that's your expectation of married life, that we're going to be together every minute of every hour of every day? That ain't going to happen. Is simply unrealistic. If the record isn't straight right now, if it's not straight, set straight right now, then you're headed for some rough water ahead. Managing expectations involves having expectations that are realistic. I think we need to understand what limitations people might have and I think people need to understand what limitations we may have. We may have limitations in time We may have limitations in physical strength and training and skills, facilities, education, personality, experience, finances, and so on. So what makes some expectations unrealistic? So what do you do? A man wrote the following uh, along this line. He said, my wife and a good friend were having lunch together when her friend lamented over the conflict she and her husband were having with their adult children. Due to circumstances of school and finances, the 22 year old and the 25 year old were still living with them. The friend felt she was doing all the mother chores for the adult children who were taking some advantage of her, showing little respect and taking on little responsibility. She and her husband were exhausted and frustrated. So in an act of desperation, the parents created a list of expectations. They called them rules. And they gave the 22-year-old and the 25-year-old curfews. And they limited lunches and said you had to do your own laundry and all of those kind of things. Sounded very reasonable to me. They laid it all out. If you're going to live in our home, this is what we expect. It seemed quite reasonable to the parents. But as far as the kids was concerned, that was horrible. The son stormed out of the room, stating he was moving out if he had to comply with them. The daughter raced out of the room and fled to her bedroom crying. So the lady at lunch said, we're all in a turmoil, she told her friend, and and said, what went wrong? What can we do? And the the friend replied, said, you've made an excellent first step, writing down and presenting your expectations. However, You fail to do the second important step and give a person an opportunity to do some negotiation. So when confronted with expectations that are are being placed upon you, you have three options. You can say, number one, when somebody puts expectations on me, I can say, I'll do it to the best of my ability. Or you can say, I'm sorry, I can't do that. I can't live up to those expectations. Or, there's a third option, and you can say, can we negotiate? So, expectations may need to be negotiated. Again, depending on someone's personality, their time, their experience, their education, etc., etc. So, with negotiation, unrealistic expectations can be transformed into realistic expectations. I'm not a a novice tonight at what I'm doing here. I know there are some very complicated relationships. There may be some here even in the building. They're very difficult and they're very complicated. I'm not asking you to bite this whole thing off and go home tonight and say, okay, we're going to sit down and we're going to work everything out in our marriage. We're going to work everything out with the kids and we're going to work everything out with the jobs and we're going to work everything out tonight. No, you're not. You agree on what's priority and you take very small baby steps and you do what you can to the best of your ability to negotiate a reasonable compromise in your expectations. Don't be an idiot. Don't be stupid and say, if I can't have it my way, then I ain't having nothing. Go ahead, genius, and take that path and see what happens. So you take very small baby steps and if you can find something you can agree on when it comes to expectations, I'm talking to somebody right now. If you can find one small thing you can agree on, if it's nothing more than who's going to wake the kids up for school every morning, if you could just solve that, then you can build a little confidence, a little bit of confidence back in your relationship and say, you know what, we can agree. We can work together. And then you can add some more to that. And then you can add some more to that. Here's an expectation. Expectations, as I'm presenting here tonight, all of this don't have to be worked out in five minutes. Give yourself a year. Give yourself two years. That in two years from now, our marriage is going to be amazing. Two years from now, as parents, we're going to be amazing. You set reasonable, achievable goals, and you work on it one day, at a time one thing at a time <clears throat> so in conclusion tonight here's a simple strategy for negotiating expectations you identify the issue the problem the area of conflict whatever it is choose the category for example it could be time spent together <laughs> maybe you're spending too much time together maybe that's the problem <laughs> i'm just i'm kidding those I'm trying to keep this as light as I can because it's, it's kind of heavy-duty stuff. But you narrow it down to the conflict point. Uh, it could be uh, the wife says, Honey, could you let me know about what time you'll be home for supper? And you negotiate an approximate time, say within 30 minutes, and have the courtesy to say, I'll tell you what, honey. I can't give you an exact time that I'll be home for supper, but I'll tell you when I'm headed home. I'll text you. And say, I'm headed home. So you'll know where about where I'm at and how long it'll take me to get there. So you'll know when to expect me. For some folks, that'd be huge, man. If you could just do that, that'd be huge. That'd be amazing. But the person that's working shows up at the house and forgot to text. And then there's a knockdown drag out for the next two hours that you, uh, where's supper? Why is it on the table? Well, you didn't tell me. I didn't know what time you was coming home. Well, you ought to know what time I'm coming home. I come home the same time every day. No, you don't. Yes, I do. And then you go to bed mad and you don't speak to each each other for three days. All you had to do was text, I'm headed home. And you'd dodge all that stuff. Could be any number of things. I miss our date nights. We haven't had a date night for weeks. Uh, we need time to talk. I <laughs> will say, that for the poor man, the poor husband that walks in the door when his wife says, honey, we need to talk, we need some time to talk, he paralyzes, he freezes. And his brain immediately goes into this mode of, what did I do? What did I say? Because he knows something's coming. Wives, you need to work real hard to say, okay, you're not guilty of anything yet. (laughs) I just want to spend some time with you. Express your differing expectations. You can choose a category. You can take turns. Be sure to listen to the other one. It might be even wise to write expectations down, but you want to focus on the problem, not the person. You want to focus on the problem, not the person. And the, one of the most detrimental things you can do in a relationship is start name-calling. The minute you call your spouse an idiot, the conversation's over. Or you call them stupid. Or you're always late. Or you're a moron. When you start slinging mud, you start losing ground, as the old saying goes. You want to stay focused on the problem, not the person. You say, well, the person is the problem. Well, I understand that. But but insulting someone's intelligence and what have you is not going to help with the problem i hope everybody understands that so focus on the problem don't start sentences with well i think or i feel that's too gooey for me that don't it's like nailing jello to the wall you have to be specific and say what's on your mind and then you take time to listen and you do your best to speak with a christian attitude i don't know if y'all remember the um psychologist, whatever she was, that used to be on the radio years and years ago named Dr. Joy Brown. Does anybody remember Dr. Joy Brown? A few people. I listened to her one time. <clears throat> and the part of it I caught was when you have a disagreement with your spouse, you need to sit down at the kitchen table and hold hands while you're working it out. Like why? So they can't throw dishes at you or something? I mean, you just go ahead and tie their hands behind their back. Like uh, I, I just thought about Sister Murphy and I, sometimes in the past that if I want to say, "Honey, I, I we're going to have a knockdown drag out," can we sit at the kitchen table and let me have hold your hands, sweetie? <laughs> so let's conclude this with some scripture. Philippians chapter two, verse two: Fulfill ye my joy. The Bible said that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. This talks about relationships, not just Christianity in general. This is relationships. This is how Christian people act. Look not every man on his own ways, but every man also on the things of others. Then Ephesians chapter 4 verse 25, Wherefore putting away lying... Speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the things which is good that he might have to give to him that needs. Let no corrupt communication or conduct proceed out of your mouth but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. I believe this includes what goes on in the home. It goes marriage, parenting, kids, all that. So be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. So, when you're in the middle of it, in a relationship that you want it to last, you're in a relationship that you want to work, if you can't meet each other's expectations, then work towards a compromise, adjust, revise, reject, or create until you can agree on your expectations in the category you've chosen. Now that they're expressed and realistic, write them down, just in case someone forgets. Or you get the thing six months from now that this is what we agreed on, and the other person says, no, it's not. Yes, it is. Got it written down right here. That's just smart. So you reinforce each other's positive fulfillment of the expectations, reevaluate regularly, and it may require a little adjusting before you get it right. I believe tonight that any relationship having with worth having with somebody is worth fighting for. I believe our marriages are worth fighting for. I believe our families are worth fighting for. I believe good relationships on our jobs it's, it's worth fighting for. Amen. I believe your relationships with your neighbors are worth fighting for. Uh, These are are important relationships in our lives, and we can't be selfish and self-centered, and all the demands can't be one way, but we have to be able to sit down and work with each other peaceably. And I'm asking Grace Church to do that in your home, in your family, in your marriage, particularly here at Grace Church with pastor, with our serve team leaders, to let's understand each other's expectations of each other. I think it's fair, and I believe we'll get along a whole lot better. You say, "Well, pastors, there are a lot of bad things going on at Grace Church." No, and that's why I'm teaching this. I don't want it to start. Prevention is better than cure, is it not? And uh, I do want to say in conclusion. Well, uh, oh, look at there. I got eight minutes. How much time did I have left over last Wednesday night? How much? 'm um, uh, nine, nobody wants to say. <laughs> we have some expectations here. Remember what we 've been teaching here? I expect an answer, so uh, but I do want to say just just recently, um, in our leadership team, uh, there were some things misunderstood with a couple of different of our uh leadership people. I sat down with them. They were very candid, very honest. I was very candid and honest. We shook hands and walked away with a very deep understanding. And I like to use conflict to, to my advantage and to your advantage. If we can work it out, then we can kind of walk away from saying, Look what we did, man. We're not going to gossip about each other. We're not going to tear each other apart when we get home. We still love one another. We're still friends. We're still getting along. And I'll look forward to seeing them in the next service. That's what I enjoy about conflict. If there's anything to enjoy conflict, it's it's conflict resolution. And how can you do that? So I'm asking everybody here tonight to pay attention to what's been presented. And let's make sure we all understand each other, whatever the relationship is, so that we can get along, we can agree, keep a church unified, keep it moving forward. Thank the Lord. God bless you, folks. I love Grace Church, and I appreciate the the privilege and the opportunity to be pastor here. And I plan to keep it that way for another week or two. So uh, God bless you. I'm going to dismiss you from your seat. I think that's pretty cool. I like to watch how long y'all sit there before you get up. You don't know what to do. So you're dismissed. God bless you, and we'll see you Sunday. Thank the Lord. (coughs)